Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Raise Your Vibration podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Shelby Rose, and I am an energetic and business guide helping you align, activate, and expand your energy to create the life and business you're wildly obsessed with. I believe that every single one of us has a path that lights us up, makes us excited to get up every single day, and brings massive service and impact to the world. In this podcast, we'll tune into our soul's true desires, take ownership for every single thing in our lives, and shift our vibration to embody the queen we came here to be. You deserve this. You get to have it. Let's go create it. So let's talk about PMS, guys. A bunch of you have been asking about, is it normal? How do I you know, stop binge eating around the time of my period? Why do I get these intense cravings? Why do I feel like my life is ending and I'm like, hate everything about life right around the time of my period? And before I dive in any further, if there's any guys listening, I just want to say that there's a lot of really great content about hormones in this episode. So even if you don't listen to the full episode, you may want to listen to the first half just to hear a little bit more about how things like stress and life can impact your hormones. And for you ladies out there, just so you know kind of the structure of what I'll talk about, we're going to talk about hormones first and how what you know what all impacts those hormones and gets them out of balance for us. And then we're gonna dive into more on our lifestyle changes and foods and vitamins and minerals that we can incorporate to help heal our our hormones and symptoms and get things back in balance for our bodies. What I want to start with is, is some facts, like PMS impacts about 40% of women. So that can be anything from bloating, digestive changes, really bad cramping, heavy periods, having insomnia, big mood swings, or even headaches. And it's not normal. Like it's, it's normal to experience some hormonal fluctuations, right? We may feel more vibrant certain times of the month. We may feel like we're, you know, really sexy at certain times of the month, depending on what hormones are, are getting boosted, you know, to attract those mates. We may feel a little bit more like we want to go inward at some points in the month or be more creative. And these are normal shifts, but it, it's not normal if you're having to take an ibuprofen to get through the day or you've had to go on hormonal birth control to balance your symptoms out because a lot of birth controls just turn off the communication between your ovaries and your brain. And so you no longer necessarily feel the side effects of what's actually going on. Um, there's a really great episode on the Model Health Show a couple of weeks ago that talks more about birth control. So if it's something that you're curious about or you're wondering how the heck do I balance my hormone or like what is birth control doing or just want to get a little more educated on what you're doing for your body, I think that's a really great episode to tune into. A lot of these issues though that, that arise, you know, the, the really bad PMS comes from other imbalances and other underlying issues. So things like inflammation, adrenal fatigue, thyroid imbalances, insulin resistance, um, having a lot of chronic stress can all impact our 
or PMS. And I'm going to talk about why that is by explaining a little bit more on your hormones first. So most people have heard of the hormones and I'm not going to go into too much detail on what they all do, but we know that estrogen is our female, a female sex hormone. Testosterone is a male sex hormone. We have both of these in our bodies as male or females, but if we have more, too much or too little, depending on your sex, it's going to be different for males and females. But if you have too much of one and not enough of the other or vice versa, that's where things can start to get out of balance. Um, so your body really needs this tight balance of these certain hormones. And I'm going to talk about two different pathways that can really lead to imbalances and how they do that. So we're going to talk about the adrenals and we're also going to talk about insulin resistance. I'm going to start with the adrenals because it really hits on all the things. Um, and so if you're not familiar, your adrenals are essentially the producers for cortisol. They're really active under stress. They're what help you wake up in the morning time. They are going to produce adrenaline, epinephrine, um, and they are our life-sustaining hormones. They impact all our other hormones. And so when, let's say, your adrenals are overworking or when you're under stress, I'll just kind of explain this pathway for you guys, your adrenals produce cortisol, which you have, if you haven't heard of cortisol, that's your stress hormone, but it's also the hormone that wakes you up in the morning time. So we need cortisol to to wake up and to do life, but we don't need it all the time. And so what ends up happening is that people get stressed out. And so they're pushing cortisol into their bloodstream. And when cortisol goes out, it wants to increase our blood sugars because our having more sugar in our bloodstream is, a, is helpful for helping our body in this flight or fight response, right? our body thinks that we're about to run away. So it wants lots of sugar out in the bloodstream so that we can utilize that when we're running away. Um, it also, we produce epinephrine during this time or adrenaline, and that actually impacts our liver to start producing more sugar. So when we're under stress, our blood sugars rise so that our bodies can do what it thinks is about to happen, which usually isn't happening because we don't have to run away from bears on a daily basis, it's usually like social media. So our blood sugars still rise in response to that cortisol. And cortisol makes fat and muscle cells resistant to, resistant to the action of insulin. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, you guys, I promise. So what happens is that it increases our glucose production, but it decreases our body, like our muscle and our fat cells ability to actually take that sugar in. So our sugar is just floating around in our bloodstream. And over a long period of time, this can lead to muscle wasting because the body starts to break down those amino acids to make sugars. And this can increase our insulin resistance as a result because when you have less muscle, you have higher insulin resistance. So fat tends to be a little more insulin resistance than your muscle tissues. And so over a long period of time, if you're under a chronic stress response, that impacts your insulin resistance. Now, this correlates with your whole body's production of hormones because your three main hormones, 
cortisol, adrenaline, and insulin impact pretty much all your other hormones. And so I'm going to start with one, if your adrenals are super freaking fatigued, they're, they're actually going to impact the production of your estrogen and your testosterone. But again, like I said, if you've been under chronic stress, it can also impact your insulin. And so when we have higher insulin floating around or decrease insulin sensitivity, so meaning that our body's not using that insulin as effectively, or our blood sugars are high all the time, so our body is saying, oh, we need more insulin, so it's pumping that insulin out, we can have an increased conversion of test. Um, so it increases aromatase, which is an enzyme that increases the conversion of our sex hormones like androgens to estrogen. So it's making more of the female sex hormones, which as females, we still need some testosterone because if we want to maintain lean body mass, we need that testosterone. Um, so when we have that increased estrogen, that's where things can get really out of balance. Um, you also, if you have that higher body fat content and therefore insulin resistance, you are going to continue to further the, further the triggering of aromatase, creating more estrogens. And then you also have de decreased progesterone, which, you know, when that imbalance happens, we see things like mood swings, we see the acne, we see all the other things go out of alignment as well. And so I hope that helps you understand a little bit more of the hormones. Again, if you didn't understand that all, you don't necessarily need to know it to start implementing things that are going to help your body become back into balance. But what I'll dive into now are some things you can do depending on what you're experiencing. So let's talk about magnesium. Um, about 70 to 90% of people have inadequate intracellular magnesium. So essentially you go to the doctor, they test your magnesium, you're fine. But it's not testing your, your magnesium that's sitting inside the blood cells. So they may never know that you have inadequate, but 70 to 90% of people are walking around without enough. And if you're not familiar with physiology, magnesium is important for muscle contractions. And if you've had Charlie horses in the past, a lot of times people tell you that potassium is important, which it is, and hydration, but magnesium can really be helpful for cramps. So muscle cramping, um, taking magnesium can help relax the muscles. So I would encourage you with a good quality source, and I'll link some, some of these supplements in the show notes using the supplements that I would recommend. Um, so if you're, you're wondering what like a good brand is, I use Metagenics or Nutridyne and they have really high quality um, supplements that have been pharmaceutically tested and they have a ton of research behind them and they don't have filler crap that is going to be bad for you. So again, I'll link some of the stuff in the show notes, but 200 milligrams of magnesium glycinate before bedtime daily can be really helpful for relaxing those muscles. Also, if you're struggling with sleep and insomnia during the time of your period, having that magnesium is going to help with getting a deeper sleep. And it's also going to help with cravings. So if you're having a lot of cravings, especially for sugar, magnesium plays a big role in keeping our blood sugars in balance. And so that can be helpful for um, those cravings as well. Then 
next thing I want to mention with this is if you are experiencing really bad cramps, please, 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 for the sake of your gut, do not take ibuprofen. Um, what will happen is it actually damages the tight junctions of your gut and you start to experience something called leaky gut. So if you're experiencing things like brain fog or digestive symptoms or food sensitivities, acne, um, it really can be, be related to that gut inflammation as well. So, you know, turmeric is a really good anti-pain as well, but the magnesium can be really, really helpful. Um, so vitamin B6 can be really helpful. So this is found in meats, poultry, and a lot of vegetables. Um, you can also take a B6 supplement. So studies have shown that 50 to 100 milligrams of vitamin B6 can impact PMS symptoms by improving serotonin or the feel-good hormone in the brain. And so again, coming back to nutrients, and our bodies need more nutrients than we really, really are getting. Um, so that might be something to play around with if you're experiencing more of the symptoms of like depression or, or mood swings during that time. Um, calcium is also really important. So this, this is important for cramps, bloating, food cr cravings, um, it also is really important for keeping the hormones at a proper level in the body. And there's a ton of studies out there that show that 1,200 milligrams of calcium carbonate each day have been helpful for symptoms of bloating, um, food cravings, cramps. What I'll say about that is that you don't want to take calcium supplements for prolonged periods of time. So mo no more than three months and the reason for that is it can impact your heart and your blood vessels. So I really recommend people get it from whole um, food sources. And that being said, vegetarian sources if possible. A lot of times people go to dairy for calcium and that can actually, we'll talk more about that um, shortly here, but that can make symptoms worse as well. So doing things like almonds and leafy green vegetables, um, I believe chia seeds also have a good amount of calcium but getting several servings of those in each day, you can Google high calcium um, vegan or you know plant-based sources. And surprisingly, we actually absorb a lot of the plant-based sources better than we do the dairy products. So you actually only absorb about 33% of the calcium in dairy, whereas plant-based sources can be a little bit more depending on the source. Things like spinach have oxalates in them, which bind in your system and lower absorption, but some of the other leafy greens, you actually absorb a ton more. So even though you don't necessarily get as much a high quantity, you're absorbing more of that quantity. Um, and then the reason why I would recommend reducing dairy is that again, those, um, that, that can increase your androgen activity. So the androgens again are your, your, testosterone and male, more male dominant sex hormones, and it can overtake them. So again, it can be another imbalance that occurs. And if you're experiencing a lot of hormonal um, acne, that can be one thing to really, really explore if you're having a lot of breakouts during the time of your period is how much dairy are you consuming, cutting back or eliminating it for a period of time to see how that goes. Um, most people know this. In um, aerobic exercise, though, if you're having PMS symptoms, can reduce your symptoms by 
I don't know the percent, but after like six months of the aerobic activity, people experience decreased PMS symptoms. And then what I really want to talk about, this is my favorite part, is is the fun stuff like how how to change your diet to really improve your your PMS symptoms. So again, if you are not familiar that inflammation can increase insulin resistance and it also increases that aromatase activity that we talked about. So converting our testosterone over to estrogen, so making us have more estrogen floating around, we have a ton of control over our inflammation through food. And so if you're eating a ton of things like sugar and gluten, dairy, maybe processed foods, um, omega-6 oils can be a sneaky one. A lot of times people who are eating, eating healthy are still consuming things like vegetable oils or corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, cottonseed oil, which are basically present in every salad dressing you pick up. So a lot of times people start eating more salads, but then they're putting crap on their salads and increasing their inflammation. Or they're starting to eat a lot of vegetables and, and sauteing them in crappy oils that are going to increase your inflammation. Or Maybe you're eating really well, but there's a lot more sugar than you realize sneaking into your diet from things like condiments. So just be mindful that these things can be sneaky and it's not that we have to change everything overnight, but if we can start to raise our awareness and just start to make those shifts from things like those vegetable oils to olive oil or avocado oil or coconut oil or even cooking with like ghee would be a better option than doing those vegetable oils. Um, the next, you know, and, and after focusing on reducing things, um, focusing on increasing our phytonutrients and antioxidants. So thinking about eating the color of the rainbow every single day. So getting each color in every day is really actually beneficial for getting the antioxidants, which help decrease inflammation and get rid of any damaged cells in your body. Um, you can also increase your omega-3 intake, and this is one of the biggest ways that you can decrease your overall inflammation. And again, if you're not consuming fish sources, you're probably not getting enough. Um, so for me personally, I don't love seafood. I eat salmon a couple times a month, maybe, if I'm lucky. So I supplement every single day in omega-3 fatty acid because it's so, so important and most of us are consuming so many omega-6s that it throws our body into an inflammatory state. So if you are going to get them from whole food sources, consuming things like salmon, herring, mackerel, sardines three times a week, and then incorporating plant sources as well. So things like walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds. But if you're only consuming the plant sources, know that you're not absorbing a ton of those omega-3s from the plant sources. And your body does not convert those plant sources over to the active form of omega-3s, which are found in animal products under a stress state, which again, most people, whether they're aware or not, are under a stressed state and aren't converting those over to the active form. Um, and then a lot of people ask about soy products. And so what what's important with soy for your PMS symptoms is that you're getting the right 
types. So eating organic, non-genetically modified sources is good. Avoiding the processed soy. So the stuff that's been turned into like veggie burgers or um, was really commercially processed isn't as good. You know, eating some high quality tofu a couple times a week is just fine. And then the last thing is a if you can limit your alcohol and caffeine intake, those are really pro-inflammatory as well. My favorite thing to add in for PMS is, is cruciferous vegetables. So what can happen is that we consume a lot of estrogen promoting foods. We have all these functions in our body when they're out of alignment that promote more estrogen, um, a lot of people have more free-floating estrogen because we're, you know, there's so much we could talk about with estrogen. We're, we're putting makeup on our body that is promote, that is um, mimicking estrogen in our body and binding to our estrogen receptors, receptors which promotes free-floating estrogen. We are consuming food that is full of pesticides that have estrogen-mimicking compounds in them. We're consuming water. If it's not reverse osmosis or you're not getting it from a place that does reverse osmosis, that has birth control and pharmaceuticals that cannot be processed out in the clean, the water um, clarification systems. We have those estrogens we're taking it. So we have all of this all of these, and then plastics, I forgot to mention, I want to make sure I mention this, is that if you're eating out of plastic containers, or if you're drinking out of plastic water bottles, or you're eating out of cans, which still often have BPA in the lining, we are not, we're, we're, we're consuming things that are mimicking estrogen in the body. So be mindful that we have estrogen mimickers everywhere and they really are going to impact fertility, PMS, other um, hormonal imbalances. We see a lot of males walking around who have like breasts essentially. Like you'll see a lot of males who have a lot of fat deposits in their chest. And the reason for that again is these estrogen mimicking compounds that we have everywhere. So people have higher estrogen free floating everywhere. Um, But what we can do if we suspect that we have estrogen dominance is, and again, it can also happen, um, another cause of this, if there's not enough already, is having a higher level of body fat, which can happen when we have high stress levels because our body starts to waste our muscle, which gets replaced with fat. And then we go into um, a slower estrogen metabolism because fat doesn't quite metabolize it as quickly. And I think it can kind of get bound up in there. I'm not certain on that. And, and we're not doing as good of a job of getting rid of it when we're in a higher fat body fat percentage. So what we can do is increase our intake of cruciferous vegetables, which are things like broccoli, cabbages, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. And what those will do is they contain a compound called indole-3-carbonyl, which improves our phase one liver detoxification. I know this is a lot of science in this episode, so I apologize. But if you're nerdy like I am, you probably want to know this. And that can promote faster estrogen metabolizing. So that, you know, these, these simple vegetables, incorporating a serving of them every single day 
has been shown to help reduce breast cancer risk and reduce PMS symptoms. So crazy stuff, guys. And then the last things I want to talk about are getting to the core root of what caused the issue in the first place, right? Like we all have stressors in our life. Today, people are getting stressed out 200 to 300 times a day. We're you know, 50 years ago, it was three or four times a day. And so it's not like we're going to like snap our fingers and our stressors are going to go away, but we can help our bodies manage that stress more effectively. So one, reducing caffeine um, and doing meditation, yoga, breath work, gratitude journaling decreases cortisol significantly, um, getting regular exercise or movement in, and maybe doing something like Reiki or acupuncture or getting massages consistently, which can also help reduce that stress response. Acupuncture has been shown to help reduce PMS symptoms like 78 by 78%. So I think that's just incredible that these alternate theories therapies can be so, so helpful. And then the second thing I want to talk about is balancing our insulin. And again, that comes back to so many different things. Our stress, again, is going to have an impact on that. But making sure that we're getting balanced meals, so consuming proteins, fats, um, lots of fiber, so non-starchy vegetables, and then a little bit of carb and being mindful of those carb choices with meals. So doing less of the refined carbs, so white breads, white pasta, white rice, doing more whole food carb choices like fruits and sweet potatoes and beans and lentils, legumes. Um, being mindful of our sugar intake, so watching our condiments or our beverages, whatever it may be that are incorporating more sugar because that can throw us into a little bit of insulin imbalances as well. So I hope this was really helpful for you guys. I know the hormones can be a little bit confusing. Um, let me know if you have any questions on it. And again, if you're thinking about starting to add some supplements in to help with your imbalances, I will link them in the show notes. Be mindful that it's not a good idea. So I got, <laughs> I was doing this for a while and one of my doctors kind of chewed me out. I was just getting like, I was getting like my, all my things that really like probiotics and fish oils from my Metagenic Nutridine company. And my, my doctor approved of that. And then he was like, Oh, what, where are you getting your vitamins? I was like, yeah, I just, I just get those from nature's made their third party testing. He's like, yeah, but they still contain shit. So he was telling me that even nature made will take like oil from the grounds, like petroleum and shit that we don't want in our bodies, process it into a B vitamin and then package it and sell it. So even if it's on the label, it's like, oh, it contains B12. Well, where is that coming from? Right? Like, are we sourcing it from high quality products is our vitamin c actually absorbable like those things are important so i've come to the conclusion that wasting my money on supplements that aren't actually giving me absorbable products is probably not a good idea and so i would love to hook you guys up with some of the products that i use and again they're linked in the show notes if you want to go down the avenue of a little bit better products so again, have a great rest of your day. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm here to answer them and sending you all the love today.